Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. If you've got a Bible, open your Bible to Romans 8, 18 through 28. As we talk about these things today, to the killing uh, of George Floyd, to the events that have happened in the past 24 hours around the country. Uh, We are going to talk about some things, but I can't address everything. But I'm going to read our scripture. Romans 8.18 says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's son to be revealed, for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay and the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit, who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Now if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to to his purpose. The word of God. Our sermon series is entitled A Future as Bright as the Promises of God, and I can't help but feel that this particular week, uh, that feels almost a little tone deaf in light of the effects of uh, what's happening in our world, in light of the murder of George Floyd this past week, in light of cities burning overnight, it does feel like a future as bright as the promises of God is a little bit of a swing and a miss when it comes to a sermon series title. I want to ask you, what do you feel today? What do you feel today in light of the last week? Um, Do you feel anger that another black man was killed in the streets? Do you feel frustration at watching cities burn last night? Or do you feel justification as you watch cities burn? Do you feel numb? Numb to the narrative, whatever that narrative is. You're just tired of hearing it and you don't feel anything anymore. Or do you feel dumb, done? Done with the hypocrisy that you see in other people? Or do you feel hope? No. No, I don't really feel hope. I look around and I see the events of the past week and hope 
feeling hope feels a little bit like a swing and a miss. Not really. I don't feel hope. But maybe, just maybe, if we focus on hope today, we will find hope. Not by looking away from everything that's happened in the past week, but letting the Spirit touch us as broken human beings who are living in the midst of everything that has happened in the past week. Today is the day that we celebrate Pentecost, and it doesn't feel quite as much of a celebration, but when Jesus ascended to heaven, as we celebrated last week, he sent the Holy Spirit to empower the disciples to testify and witness to his work on earth, that they might be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we're going to look at a passage about the Holy Spirit from Romans 8. Now, the church in Rome was experiencing some interesting things just like we are. The church in Rome at that time was a divided church, a church divided by, between Jew and Gentile. See, what had happened is an emperor came to power in Rome, and he had persecuted the Jews. And so the Jews had to flee Rome so that they could go away with their lives. But when the persecution stopped, they came back and found that the Gentiles had taken over their church. And so there they were, divided, although united by one spirit. But I also find it's interesting about who wrote this chapter and who wrote this book to the Romans. Paul. And I find the fact that Paul wrote this passage to be actually quite helpful. When we talk about hope, we often think about escaping the realities of a broken world. But Paul was one who had experienced the worst of being a broken person in a broken world. In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul tells us that he was beaten five times. Forty lashes minus one. Five times. He also tells us that he was beaten three times with rods, that he had been stoned, and he had been shipwrecked. So as Paul talks about hope, he's not talking about looking away from the reality of living in a broken world. He has one who has experienced the darkness himself. And so even as I talk this morning, I want you to imagine yourself sitting down, having coffee, six feet apart, of course, from the Apostle Paul, and letting him share with you this morning about finding hope in the midst of a very broken world and pointing you to the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul starts off this passage in verse 18 by saying this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. When he says that he is considered, what he is saying is, I have weighed it out. And it's not that Paul had a little bit of suffering. Paul had a lot of suffering. And as he weighed out the sufferings that he went through against the future glory that was to be revealed to the children of God, he says, it does not compare. It, it, it does not compare. If the Apostle Paul were sitting down with you right now, six feet apart, having that cup of coffee, and you were saying, I feel frustrated, I feel numb, I feel angry, I am in tears, he might stop you and say this, what's in your tears? Why are you crying this morning? Not stop crying, but what, what's in your tears? And you might say, Paul, have you watched the news the past week? I'm angry and I'm crying because of racism. I'm frustrated because of systemic injustice. 
My tears are about silence in the face of murder. And Paul might say, what else? What else? What else? That's everything this week. And Paul might push you and say, what else? What else is in your tears? What about disease and death and poverty? And you might say, yeah, we've reached 100,000 deaths in the U.S. this week. Yeah, I have tears about that too. And while we're at it, Paul, I've cried over my depression. I've cried as we face hurricane season. My tears are about the history of colonization and unjust wars. And Paul would say, amen. But what about just wars? Have you cried about those too? Yes, you say. I, I, I'm tired of the hypocrisy. I'm tired of feeling shame. I'm tired of guilt. I'm tired of fear. I'm tired of abuse. I'm crying over poor leadership. I can't handle any more broken relationships. And Paul might look at you and say, there you are. There's your tears. It's too much for you to even weigh out at once. But once you had told Paul everything that your tears were about, he might say this to you. Can can you picture a day when God's righteous anger will banish and destroy all broken things forever? Can, can, Can you picture a day when he won't just wipe one tear from your eye? but he will wipe every tear that has ever run from your eye for any reason at all. Can you picture a day when you will no longer have to long for things to be renewed, but you will live in a world where Jesus is king and all things will have been made new and that will be your normal from that day on to eternity. sense the hope. Pastor John, listen, this is a great sermon that you're telling us heaven's going to be awesome. What about now? What about now? Um, There's a black body in the street again. There's a hundred thousand bodies that have been buried this past uh, two months in our country because of the virus. What about now? Paul might look back at you and said, ah, the groans. The groans of knowing what will happen when Jesus returns and finding hope in that, but living in a world where every day you walk out your front door and you go, this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not the way it's supposed to be. In fact, the whole creation knows that this is not the way it's supposed to be. Paul writes in verse 22, He says, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. That is to say, even the creation knows that because of Adam and Eve's sin, things are not the way they're supposed to be. But then Paul says to you, but it's not just out there, it's in here, isn't it? It's in here, it's in our hearts. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the the spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. That is to say, when we see another person killed unjustly, we groan because we know it's not the way it's supposed to be. 
When justice is delayed or forgotten, we groan because we know it's not the way it's supposed to be. When we see someone take revenge against someone else, we groan because we know this is not the way it's supposed to be. As sin wreaks havoc in our world and it wreaks havoc on you, you groan because you know this is not the way it's supposed to be. I was made for something else. I was made for the presence of God. I was made to be in harmony with my brothers and sisters, living in the Garden of Eden, in a world where I'm living now. It's not the way it is supposed to be. And while that does not excuse anything, it is the context for everything in our world. You weren't made for a world of sin and death. You were made for Eden. You were made for God. You were made to be in his presence. And one day you will be restored. You will be restored to God. You will live in a new city with him forever where sin and injustice will reign no more. But just to make sure you hold on to that hope, God has given you a down payment. The Holy Spirit. We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's word. Paul writes that the Holy Spirit is a first fruits of things that are to come. In other words, he has God has promised to recreate everything and make all things new, but so that you know that that is your guarantee, he has put the Holy Spirit in you now to recreate you from the inside out. When Derek Chauvin was arrested this past week, I know that for you who are people of color, it produces a terrible anxiety in you. And my understanding is that you view this arrest as a down payment for something that may never come to expression. This man has been arrested for the murder of George Floyd. Will there be a conviction? And I understand the terrible anxiety that that produces for you. Because what has happened in the anxiety that comes up in you is, who is going to get the benefit of the doubt here? George or Derek? And what that produces in you is a terrible anxiety because you have seen a down payment that may not come to expression with anything And what happens if this man is given the benefit of the doubt and the murder of George Floyd is somehow called an accident? The arrest feels like a down payment for nothing. That again confirms your suspicion that in this country you are less than human. put that out there because I want you to feel the guarantee of the deposit of the Holy Spirit in your heart. God has given us the Holy Spirit as a deposit and guarantee, not of something that may or may not happen, 
again, but as a guarantee that everything that he has promised will come to expression. Justice will reign. Jesus will return. He will make all things new. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There is no wondering if God will back up his guarantee. He has given you the Holy Spirit. That's what we celebrate at Pentecost so that you know he has made a down payment on recreating everything. And what does Paul say? It's a down payment on this, that you will experience the full adoption as children of God. Right now, you walk by faith, not by sight, knowing that you are a child of God, but one day you will meet your father face to face and live with him for eternity. And the Holy Spirit is a down payment that that will happen. But not only that, the redemption of your bodies. One day, black bodies and brown bodies and white bodies will be resurrected from the dead. And us in our full humanity, whether we are white, brown, or black, will live together with Jesus forever, ruling and reigning. Have hope, even in this dark time, as you post stuff on social media, do it with hope. As you protest, do it as a Christian who has hope. You know, you know Christians are allowed to protest. I'm Protestant. Protest a stunt. Okay, so the whole reason that we've started this movement is because we were in protest. So protest isn't unchristian. At the same time, I'll say this, protest as a Christian. You know what that means. Follow Jesus as you seek change. But then let me end by encouraging you to pray. To pray during this time. You know, as we wake up this morning and we look at news images and we think about the past week and we think about everything that has happened, how in the world do you pray? What do you pray for? Paul tells us in verse 26, in the same way the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The whole point of Pentecost is that we are weak and sinful human beings and we cannot live the Christian life. We can't even pray without the power of the Spirit. But while your humanity is a problem for you living the Christian life, it is not a problem for God because God takes the third person of the Trinity and puts it in you in order that you might live the Christian life with power even in the midst of brokenness and sin and injustice. I mean, the whole reason that Jesus told his disciples, once I ascend, you go to Jerusalem and you wait, you don't do anything, you wait was because they were broken human beings who needed the power of the Holy Spirit. Their mission was to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth, and they couldn't speak anything besides Aramaic and Greek. And yet the day of Pentecost comes, the Holy Spirit descends with wind and tongues of fire over them, and all of a sudden these guys are speaking in other languages, and people from around the world gathered in the temple are hearing about the mighty acts of God. 
because they were powerful? No, because the Holy Spirit's power rested in them. And whether it's the mission of God around the world or you sitting on the end of your bed not knowing what to pray because of the brokenness of this past week, the Holy Spirit's power is present with you. Your humanity and weakness might be a problem for you, but it is not a problem for God. And that is what we celebrate on Pentecost in the coming of the Spirit. And so as Paul says to pray in the Spirit is the one, because he is the one who searches hearts. I want to challenge you right now. One of the things that always sticks out to me on Facebook is that we are, most people are very aware of the glaring hypocrisy of other people and pretty blind to their own hypocrisy. What that means is if you're married, your spouse knows your hypocrisy more than you do. What that means is the people that are closest to you can see how you're inconsistent better than you can, which is why we need the Holy Spirit, which is why we need the Holy Spirit to search our hearts We are really good at seeing how other people are inconsistent, how people cry out at the loss of one human life, but not at the loss of another. But we are often blind to how we ourselves neglect that same thing. But the Holy Spirit searches our hearts. And in the community of God, reveals these things to us, reveals our hypocrisy. And so praying in the Spirit is not just about the fact that we are weak and sinful, but that we are hypocrites. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't pursue justice. It just means that we understand that God is going to reveal stuff to us through the power of the Holy Spirit that we do not like to see. And so we must pray with an open heart to the Spirit who searches our hearts, but also we must pray according to the will of God and the Spirit. I can't help but wonder how many people think that today God feels irrelevant. Like, does anything about God actually matter today as our cities burn as, as we're waiting on three other arrests. Is God irrelevant today? The God who tells us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is not irrelevant. That's the very reason he sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit from heaven to empower us to do his will on earth. The God who delights in righteousness and delights in justice, and delights in humility. The Holy Spirit is in us to produce these things in this very moment, that we might live the life of heaven here on earth because the Holy Spirit from heaven has been placed in us. So as you pray, pray in your weakness, pray with humility, but pray according to the word of God. Maybe, maybe this statement is too far-fetched, but I, I just have a feeling that the next few months might be the most uncomfortable months for us to walk with Jesus together. Like, it might be the, really the hardest months we've ever experienced as Christians. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. I just kind of have a hunch that that might be so. It might be the most uncomfortable we have ever been as Christians in the midst of you all sitting here with face masks on in the midst of not being able to have conversations with people without them turning into blow-ups. I think the next few months are going to be very uncomfortable. But don't let that steal your hope in the Holy Spirit. 
Don't let that steal your hope in the Holy Spirit because the ability to walk through the next few months as a follower of Jesus doesn't come from within you, but, but the power of one who has been placed in you, the Holy Spirit. It, it's not about the possibility of you walking with Jesus over the next few months. That's not where the power comes from. The power comes from Pentecost, the Holy Spirit being placed inside of us that we might both have hope for the future with Jesus for eternity, but we might also have his power today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. We ask for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And while the Spirit has been poured out once and for all, we ask for a fresh renewing that we might believe, that we might repent, that we might seek the good of others, that we might not cower in fear, that we might be bold, and that we might love our enemies. Lord Jesus, make us more like you. And we all said amen. I want to clarify that if you have questions about anything I've said, call me. If you're watching, you probably have my number. We're not a big church. Our people know me. They know where to find me. And call me if you have questions. Uh, when I said what I said, I'm not interested in grandstanding. Sometimes I think Christian preachers can get up and say racism is evil, and everyone goes, yay, but they haven't said anything of substance. I want to say something of substance from here, and that is going to peel us all away on some layer. So I'm not interested in applause. I'm not interested in somehow getting attention because I've said these things, but I'm also not interested in browbeating. I'm not here because I want to beat people up. Really what I want to see is the kingdom of God come to expression on earth through this church. I want the life of the Spirit to grow in you, and I want it to grow in me, because I certainly need it, and I know you do as well. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.